Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Welcome, welcome again to Wednesday night, our Q&A. I see our queue is filling up of text coming in, so thank you. Here's the number, 720-336-0897. Listen, that is a line for 24 hours of prayer, so you can send a text to that number at any time, 720-336-0897. That's Calvary Church's 24-7 prayer line, available to anyone at any time around the world. We will pray over that. I see them. So I'll pray over them first, and then I copy them and forward them over to our prayer team. And tonight we want to spend some time asking and answering some questions concerning the coronavirus, uh, concerning uh, how you're handling it, uh, what might be on your mind, on your heart. I'm going to have Pastor Joshua up here. We're going to tag team on answering these questions together. And we are doing this for the first time, so be patient with us. Uh, I know you might be expecting a Bible study right now. Uh, we're in the book of Daniel, but I really felt like it was time to pause and answer some questions. And let me just say at the outset that we miss the fellowship. I miss the people. I miss the kids. And it just struck in my mind right now, Marie has been watching and listening online. And she told me as I walked out the door today to slow down. Has I been, have I been talking pretty rapidly lately? You've been talking pretty fast. So we can't even hear you. Why do you have the mask on? I don't know if this is six feet, so I just want to be safe. You have the, the measuring? <laughs> I don't have the measuring tape, but I think if you can touch my hand, we're too close. Don't yeah, touch it. Well, but we, we live in the same house, bro. That's true. So that's just for others. It is. I visited a little guy this, today on my way in, and, and uh, I don't know what he is, maybe two and a half and uh, something like that. And he had his mask on, and I had my mask on, and we were pretty close to six feet. I didn't want to bust him on it, though. Yeah, that's good. You shouldn't get little kids in trouble. I don't want to get little kids in trouble. So we've got your texts. Uh, We've got a full line full of this. Uh, We answered the one about Revelation 6. No, I don't think that's opening the seals. Uh, And so let's go to the one where it says, I have faith in Jesus. Uh, I have faith in Jesus, but when I am weak, I start to doubt how much faith I really have because I shouldn't doubt so much when things get tough. What does that say about me as a follower of Jesus? Josh, what do you think? This is the second to the bottom one. It says, I'm a faith, I have faith in Jesus. I can just read it to you. Ready? I have faith in Jesus, but when I'm weak, I start to doubt how much faith I really have because I shouldn't doubt so much when things get tough. What does that say about me as a follower of Jesus? You know, I would say that it means you are a normal follower of Jesus. Uh, I, I don't think it's wrong of you to feel in times of pressure or uh, times that are tough, especially tougher than normal, like we're experiencing with this pandemic, uh, that doubts start to come up. You know, I think of the disciples when they were on the boat and the storm started raging and they were very doubtful. You know, they were afraid. Uh, They were seeking out Jesus. And I think what that says of you as you experience those doubts, as you um, see that coming up, 
it just means you're normal. And it's not something to be ashamed of, it's not something to be uh, scared of, but it's something that I think is what we're experiencing a lot. However, there is a right way to follow up with those doubts, and there's a right way to follow up with those feelings. Yeah, I think that the emotions are real, uh, and they're normal, and there are many times when we, we kind of settle for the normal. And we, we think, well, I'm just going to be fearful the rest of my life, or I'm just going to be an addict the rest of my life, or I'm just going to be angry my whole life, when God wants to take us from normal and natural to supernatural. And over and over again, like I was thinking today in John 14, uh, Jesus addresses this issue when he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's John 14, 1. And the, the reality of fear and doubt speaks of a, a challenge to your faith. Uh, it speaks to a challenge of your trust. And yet at the same time, Jesus acknowledges that and he says, well, don't let your heart be troubled. Well, wait a minute, H how is that? Well, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. And the pathway out of doubt and fear is faith. And here's a mistake I see made quite a bit. The idea of, of doubt and fear is like, okay, if I make a decision today to trust in God, then I'll never be fearful again. But that's not possible. Like we're learning to live life, an abiding life is a moment by moment. So you're gonna deal with doubt today and you'll probably deal with doubt tomorrow, but even then you're gonna deal with doubt uh, now and maybe five minutes from now and maybe 10 minutes from now and you're gonna learn to respond to it by acknowledging God and saying, okay, yeah, you're right, I do believe in God. I am born again and I'm also gonna believe in Jesus and all that he said and all that he's saying to me. And so it does, it makes you a normal believer, but who wants to settle for normal? I think uh, certain people that maybe don't desire to grow deeper in their faith want to settle for normal. I know when I'm not fully filled with the Spirit of God, like I settle for normal a lot. Um, I think there, this time especially, is, it's easy to get trapped, I think, by the enemy. Uh, the enemy is very much looking for those who are weak in their faith or struggling in their faith to kind of pick them off. and. I just know, for me, when I go through these seasons or when I go through these thoughts, uh, when I allow these doubts to rise up in me, I have to remind myself of Scripture. And I, even before we started, I, just, I knew that I needed to go through my Word and start marking certain things. And uh, Psalms 94, 19, it says, When doubts fill my mind or filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. And I know for me, I need to be aware of God's comfort. I need to know what the Scriptures say when those doubts do arise. Because if I don't, dive deeper in the word, I settle. And when I settle for my flesh and I settle for those doubts just to fill up my mind, it's, a, it's not a good place, it's a dark place. And that's not where God wants you. God always wants to progress with you. And I think sometimes we like the idea of progressing with God, but when it comes to work or when it comes to having to open our Bible and seek those things out, uh, we kind of take a step back and say, you know, I think I'm okay with just my doubts. So I think that there are people, even myself, that are okay with being normal Christians, sure. but I think God wants so much more for us. He so does. He gives us so much to uh, pull from. It's a great question. Good. Keep, keep texting them in, 720-336-0897. Let me give you another one. This is an easy one, Josh. How do I log in for your daily devos? How do you log in for our daily devos? So our daily devos are found on our Instagram. So you can go look up uh, our Instagram tag, calvarychurch.co. You can find them on uh, preview for the daily one. And then if you click on the IG tab, IGTV tab, you can see the whole series, which I think we're up to number 10. And then I believe we're getting ready to 
upload them to our YouTube page as well. So they Good. should be available on YouTube by tomorrow morning. So if you're looking for that, you can find that at calvaryco.church. And then on the right-hand bar, you can see all of our social media tabs. So we have, uh, we have a lot of the folks, uh, pastors are doing devos, different people on, on staff, they're doing devos, just sharing kind of an insight uh, like, like tonight, tonight's kind of an insight of Calvary Live. If we put cameras in the studio, uh, this is what Calvary Live looks like, except we're doing it in the context of our church where we've got computers, Bibles open, we're flipping to this, we're looking over here, which one are we going to take and looking around, and now we have the cameras on us. Uh, the devos are like every, uh, every day, six days a week, we have uh, devos in the morning as a staff. And so these are the guys and the gals uh, that, I'm not, I'm not sure, do we have any gals that have done a Devo yet? Yeah, we actually have our academy teachers. Oh, good, uh, they good, They step good. in and they do a Devo, so they kind of rotate through, um, yeah, they rotate through a day. Good. So yeah, we've had quite a few. So it's kind of an insight of what we get to do every day uh, as we gather together for our staff meetings. Uh, so here's another one that um, is, a, is a, an easier one to answer, and that is how can we pray for staff and pastors at Calvary? I know how disappointing it is for us, but I can't even imagine who, from a human perspective, how disappointing this is for the staff and the pastors. How can we pray for staff and pastors? For me? Well, you're the only one up here, bro. Okay, well, it's me. Um, I think, in general, you can just pray for um, just wisdom and clarity on how to serve our community better, especially in such an interesting time. Obviously, we have technology and, you know, we're calling and making text messages and, um, you know, sending out, reaching out, you know, trying our best to uh, resemble Jesus in our community. Uh, but I think having that special wisdom from the Lord uh, for the in-the-moment opportunities uh, is a huge prayer request. That clarity of speech, the right things to say. Uh, I think you can also pray for our families uh, that we that they don't get sick. Um, pray for our church family because if someone in the flock gets sick, we all feel it. Um, we may not feel it physically, but we feel it uh, mentally and emotionally and spiritually. So uh, I think there's a lot of ways, but I would say as you pray for yourself, those same prayers, like the Bible says, love yourself or love your neighbor as yourself, love your pastors as yourself. So if you're praying for yourself, pray for us as well because I'm sure we're going through a lot of the same uh, things that you're going through as far as emotionally. And yeah, I think that the, it's wide-ranging, you know, so some of our staff has young children, uh, so they're, they're, most everyone's working from home now, and so you've got that piece. Then they're starting to school, with some, some of our team has kids at their school that they're teaching, so you gotta, they're now having that challenge. Uh, some of the uh, team is, is tired. They're, uh, I think a lot of the team is tired. I know um, that's one thing that um, that I'm dealing with. I'm just tired. It's just a lot of decisions. They never stop. Um, you know, working from home isn't just sitting around eating cereal. Uh, it's from the morning you get up, moment you get up to the moment you go down, there's stuff going on and there's going to be stuff going on even while I'm talking right now. And so praying for strength and wisdom uh, that we wouldn't lose our joy in the midst of what God has allowed us to do. Um, a lot of the, the encouragement that comes to our, our staff and pastors too is when we gather together, uh, you know, like Michael. Michael's not around any of the kids and kid, the, the kids being around the, and the teachers, you know, just are a recharge and we don't have that point of recharge, or at least not in the same way. Uh, same with being together. I, you guys don't see it, but I'm looking out in an empty room with the exception of a few guys running the camera and the sound folks, like it's the essential people here uh, and although we're the church, we're all serving, uh, but we don't have that recharge. 
Uh, and, you know, if you're home all the time too, uh, it's just, it's, you get cabin fever. It's like snow day after snow day after snow day uh, where you're in the house. It's not. It's like Gino Geraci, when I was talking to him, doing some interviews with him, he's like, you know, the crisis isn't a snow day. It's, it's not comparable to a snow day. It's comparable to winter. And you just have to ride it out. It's, it's a season, not just a few days put together. So I think that the praying for one another and even what the Lord leads, like, you know, sometimes we don't even know what to pray so that we just trust the Holy Spirit will lead us in those prayers. Um, here's a difficult one. Uh, uh, here's a difficult question, and I'll start off by answering it, and then you can jump in. But how do you minister to someone who's lost a very close friend to suicide? Um, let, me, let me just say that this crisis has caused a lot of people to be lonely, uh, to, be, to start feeling hopeless and helpless, and along those lines, you're going to hear about uh, and even um, deal with more suicidal thoughts and with friends and family that have suicidal thoughts, and now you have someone in your life that's lost a very close friend to suicide. The first way that I minister to them is to be available. I think that the ministry of presence is so important. Remember in the book of Job, you had Job experiencing great loss. Job was a real man who experienced great loss, including the loss of his children. And his friends decided to go visit him, and for seven days they were with him and were silent. Those were the best seven days of ministry they had to offer him. The best time that they had to give was to be silent because then they opened their mouth and began to say all these things that only made Job more defensive and more difficult, blaming Job for, you know, imagine being blamed for the loss of your children. And so just being there for them, talking to them, but more importantly, listening to them and knowing that uh, one of the things I like to emphasize when suicide is involved is that you have all these feelings that you could have stopped it, you could have prevented it, and then that gets turned into, it was my fault. And when a person chooses to take their own life, it's not your fault. And you just need to hear that. It's not your fault. It's easy in every situation to look back and say, I could have done, I should have done, I might have done, but there's no good, there's nothing good comes from that when you're dealing with the person in, particularly, uh, in, in particular. How you minister to someone that is suicide, you're very sensitive, um, you're very careful. You might even wanna look up resources on GriefShare, uh, a website called griefshare.org. There's a lot of resources there. I'm all, I also write on that on my own blog on edtaylor.org on grief, and I have a couple articles, I think, on suicide and how to deal with people that have lost. Uh, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I would say, you know, what you mentioned, that presence of just being available and making sure you're there is huge. And just also understand, too, that they may not want your presence uh, right away. They may not be ready for you uh, to kind of come in with, oh, I have all the right answers. I have the, the verses you need. I have, they may need some time. They may need you to just be that friend that is willfully and, and willingly ready to pray for them uh, on a regular basis, praying and fasting, because you don't know what's going on in the mind except for grief. So there could be so many other things happening in the spiritual realm. And for you, it may just be good to take a step back while still making sure they know you're available. And when the time comes, I think, uh, I think 
the Minutemen, right? They were always ready uh, for battle back in the revolutionary days. I think as believers, we always need to be those who are ready to go into a situation equipped with the Word of God uh, because we're those reflectors. So if we're supposed to reflect Jesus, how would Jesus reflect to our friend that's struggling with this grief? And he would come in with comfort and he would come in with those words of encouragement. He'd come in with truth to make sure that they're not allowing their mind to drift off in ways that would be dangerous to them. Uh, but he doesn't come in uh, hard. He doesn't come in too soon. He doesn't come in too late. He comes in at the right time. And for us as believers, it's really important that we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit leading us into someone's life and also making sure that we're not rushing into someone's life, trying to fix it, but giving God the space to be able to work in the mind and the heart. Yeah, I think that sense of trying to fix it um, goes into the realm of Job's friends where they didn't really need to say the things that they said, at least the timing. Timing's everything and your presence. Uh, a good friend of mine, pastor, um, on my birthday, actually, that's how I'll remember it, uh, his son Jeremy died in a car accident and I immediately called him and he didn't answer so I prayed on his voicemail and then I began to send him a text a day not 10 texts a day, not 100 texts a day, but just I'm going through my devos, uh, scripture comes to mind, and I just want to continue to make myself available to him. Um, that's what folks did to me. I know it's not necessarily on suicide as much as it is on loss in general, but I want to make myself available because you never know at the time when they say, okay, I'm ready, can we talk? Or, okay, I'm ready, I have this question. Or uh, Because they're going through, who knows? I don't, I don't know what they're going through. They're not going through grief like I did. They're going through grief like they're going through grief. And so I just make myself available. Yeah, I agree. I think making yourself available gives you, uh, when they are ready, you're the first they think of because you've been faithfully ministering to them during the time that they've needed it. And I'd rather someone think of me because I've been willing to serve them for however long they've needed it than yeah. for someone to have to look to someone else or not have anyone to look to at all. So right. uh, yeah, it's 100%. You want to be available and present and just sensitive to how God may lead you into someone's life. So do you wanna, you wanna queue up a question? I'll, I'll do a couple simple ones to lighten it up a little bit. One is a very easy one. Are we going to be able to attend church on Sunday, April 26th? Uh, I don't believe uh, the order, I haven't read the order, but I don't think, uh, I don't know, I guess is the better. I have some ideas, but how about it's easier to say, I don't know, but I know with every day that goes forth here in Colorado, uh, I know our governor has extended the stay-at-home order to the 26th. Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I think as we get closer to the 26th, we'll know. Because if you saw on the news right before I came into the building today, uh, on the news, I got an alert from Fox News on my phone that said that the CDC is starting to ease restrictions a little bit by those that have been already um, exposed to coronavirus. Uh, they can go back to essential positions at work. So that's a change. Now, I don't know how the media is going to communicate that, but you can sense a change in the air. Uh, you can see the numbers going down. No matter how they're being interpreted, you can see the numbers going down. And so uh, I don't know yet, but as soon as you, I'll, let me tell you this, as soon as we know it is going, we will over-communicate when we can come back. Let me give you a couple more. If, here's another one that came through. If, a, if things aren't bad enough, the Dodger hat, you're killing me, Pastor Ed. Well, I brought the Dodger hat, just, I was gonna wear it, but they told me that the shadows don't work with the lights up here, so I, want, I, wanted, it, I wanted you to know that we're also waiting for baseball to come back. So I wanted some little bit of lightheartedness, 
Um, but the only baseball that matters is the Dodgers. Dodger baseball. That, what other d- baseball is there? I mean, I, I mean, I do like the Rockies, and anybody with tickets to the Rockies amen. would be okay to share those tickets with share me. Share them. I don't have a problem with that. Be a giver. Yeah, be a giver, uh, if you, especially if you have a really, really good seats, and, a do- and it's a Dodger game too. Be a generous giver. Generous giver. Maybe uh, some concessions, popcorn, hey, nachos. Yeah, they're really good seats. Those just come with them, so <laughs> we're 100% open to that. We had that, that sister in the church that had those seats right behind home plate for all that those was, years. That was a blessing. Those were amazing seats, and then she had to get another job. Yes. Now we get no tickets from her at all. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. You're the best. All right. You got, that's light. Just wanted to lighten it up a little bit. Is there a question you got queued up for me? I do. I just sent it to your message. Why don't you read it to me? I can read it to you too. Uh, How are you to respond to church members uh, or people that go to your church who are complaining about the situation or complaining the most of the situation? So how do you handle complainers when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, when it comes to complaining, uh, I want to be careful because my first knee-jerk reaction is not to receive it. Uh, The Bible says that murmuring and complaining is to cease and stop among believers. So I need to be careful to discern what kind of concern, uh, I have to be discerning of what kind of concern is coming through. If it's a real complaint uh, and it's invalid, like it's not, it's just somebody murmuring and complaining because they they want to, then I'm going to point them back to the Lord. Uh, I'm going to gently point them back. I, I did that this morning. Somebody emailed me something and I said, well, how is this changing you for the gospel? How is this making you more effective for the gospel? How is it that you are becoming a closer abiding, your relationship with Jesus Christ is closer, it's stronger, and trying to point them back to the Lord. If there's some truth to it, then I'm going to answer the issue and say, uh, I'm sorry we let this happen. Uh, we're going through this. We're and trying to provide options for someone to get out from under the way that they only see the world very... Because when you think about it, when we're complaining and when we're murmuring and when we're critical spirit, we are seeing things very narrowly. We, we're, and we're seeing it through the narrow lens. Uh, I, you know, like me, when I put my glasses on, I can't see anything except through these lenses. When a complainer and a critical spirit comes, the lens is self. And how does it affect self? And we're forgetting about the glory of God we're forgetting about people. We're forgetting about the order is very clear. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so I deal with complainers very carefully, very prayerfully. I don't always, depending on what kind of mood I'm in, um, you know, especially if they come up to me, um, we don't have that anymore after this, like right now, because we're not gathering, but I have mishandled situations after a service where I've worshiped and I've taught and I'm so encouraged and then somebody comes up with a, a complaint and I, I'm just not in the right frame of mind and I just say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. But complaining sometimes veil, just is a veil for insecurity where people are really insecure and, and I think we need to have a little bit, like we we're praying today, we have, to have to, we have to have a little bit more patience with people because everybody's on edge. Uh, and the longer this goes, the more on edge we're going to be. Um, I've even found myself going in places of being on edge, where something before I would give it a little, lot more patience, um, but now I, I'm, I'm a little bit edgy uh, on days, because uh, I'm not getting a lot of sleep, and, and I've got a lot of things on my mind, which, and it's not all good. Like it's, Sometimes it's sinful. I'm not trusting in the Lord. 
I'm not relying on his wisdom. I'm taking these burdens on my own shoulders. So it's not all the, it's, it's, I need to repent before God. I have to have a daily repentance because it's not all the crisis. Some of it is my response. And so I, I just, I want to cut some people some slack to make room for that. But also as a pastor, I'm not going to let sin or the flesh go. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's really good for us as believers and really anyone that is giving your ear to a complainer to realize that, you know, how do I sound when I go to God when I'm upset with what's going on in my life currently? And I think the Lord always takes that tender, compassionate, I understand that you're just human. And we have to have that perspective that a complainer is currently just idolizing their opinion above all else. Mm, And when someone, when you see someone worshiping an idol, um, I'm not upset with them. I'm not, um, mad or enraged by them or annoyed by them, my heart actually breaks for them because I see that their focus is on something it shouldn't be. Their focus is on something that is robbing them of the goodness of God or that relationship, that sweet spot with Jesus. So as my role as a pastor, but even just as a believer, our goal is not to set them straight, like, come on, complainer, you're wrong. Our goal is to help them get their eyes back on Jesus in the most godly way possible. And sometimes that is a struggle. Like I I do agree, I've handled complainers in a very different way. Um, And it's not always good. And I have to repent, I have to ask for forgiveness. But as much as possible, when I have this perspective of this person needs my help because they have their eyes fixated on the wrong thing, it just changes everything. Changes my response, changes my mentality. Um, But in order to have that perspective, I have to be in the spirit. Like I have to be spending time with Jesus. Because when I'm not, it's, it's fleshly Josh answering, and fleshly Josh can be very uh, yeah. we can be We could be just as bad as the complainers. We, are, we, we become fleshly in the same way, and, and, and I, don't wanna, I don't want that. I don't want that in my life, but I think we need to extend patience and be a little bit, if anything, we can learn from this crisis that we'll be different after the fact. Yeah. I think that it opens up the door to say, look, we're all wanting to get back to normal, but normal is gone. The normal that, be, that, hap, that occurred the week before the crisis is gone. So whatever God is doing, we need to be uh, a new wineskins for the fresh new work of the Holy Spirit. And maybe some are going to be more patient. Maybe some are going to be more loving. Maybe some are going to be more compassionate. Maybe some are going to be more ownership of the fact that they're the church. It's not the organization that's the church. We're the church. And, and this, has, the, the, this whole situation has opportunity to grow the church like never before. Um, and I have to be careful because there's an excitement in my heart. And I'm not excited about the crisis. I'm not excited by the hurt. I'm not excited by the danger. What, what, I, what I'm excited about is what God is going to do in the church in these last days for everyone that's willing to receive it. For everyone that's willing to receive a fresh new work of his spirit, God is ready to give it to you. God is ready to change. We don't want to become rebellious and stiff-necked and hardened and resistant to the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you just make it some political thing, you're going to miss out. Well, you know, it's the politics... I, I recognize politics is a part of our life, but when Jesus came, he didn't deal with Rome. He dealt with the heart of men. He dealt with the heart of women. He touched the leper. He went after the person that was in chains in the caves that was out of his mind. He loved people. And, and the politics in Rome was, were horrible. Or he didn't go through and say, you know, this was a conspiracy of the religious rulers and some people, even though it was. 
It def- the, the government was wicked and it was a conspiracy. Instead, he submitted himself to the will of the Father. And because he did that, the will of the Father has led to salvation today. And we only have a certain amount of time to live on this earth. How will we use it for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you good up for another one or you want me to? I got a few. So okay. I think what we're going to try to get three in a row. Okay. Uh, they kind of all are similar and I think you'll be able to answer them pretty quickly. Okay, so good. the first one can be wrapped up in this. Is, COVID, is the COVID virus God's judgment on America? Many Christian leaders say it is. Uh, I'm also going to tie in, I saw that the COVID virus was caused by 5G. And I also see that you don't think it's a part of the seal. Uh, can you explain more about that? So those are three different questions that I think we can tie into one well, the, seals, the seal judgments occur in the great tribulation period and the Antichrist has not been revealed and the rapture of the church has not taken place. Uh, so the seals are opened after the rapture. And so theologically and very practically, uh, I don't believe the seals are happening right now because we're not in the great tribulation period. I'm not an expert on 5G. I'm not an expert on uh, geo-warfare. I'm not an expert uh, and I'm not necessarily connected to experts that can cite bonafide facts. I don't know all that. So I, I can't speak to that. I, I, don't, I don't know anything on that. So I don't really have an opinion. I don't know anything about it. Uh, and the idea of the COVID being a judgment on America, it, we, I, I, I'm a big, I, I believe when we're dealing with the scriptures, we need to be consistent. So to isolate America when this has hit Italy far worse or China or uh, all the players of the globe, no, I don't think it's a judgment on America. Um, I believe that it's the consequences of sin. And it, it's not anything compared to what's going to come during the Great Tribulation period. Now, do, are we experiencing the consequences of sin? Are we experiencing the difficulties of sin? Are we experiencing the consequences of, of our abandonment of, of abortion in the United States? Yes, yes, and we're going to continue to experience that. But of the judgment of God, uh, I'm, I'm going to lean more toward personally. Uh, I don't see it specifically. I don't see it specifically as a judgment of God. Um, but could it be? Possibly. I'm not, I don't have the mind of God. Um, but I do see it. I can say definitively it's, it's a consequence of our sin. It, the mutated genes is a consequence of the sin that started in the Garden of Eden. That's when it all started. That's when gene mutation all began. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a 5G expert. Uh, and I, I am a Bible student, but I'm not even an expert Bible student. But when I look at the world while we're alive, it doesn't matter. 5G doesn't matter. Um, some biochemical warfare doesn't matter primarily. Maybe secondarily, but primarily is, is are you using this situation for the furtherance of the gospel? Who have you shared the gospel with? What, where have you dropped food off in, you know, if we're watching YouTube conspiracy videos more than we're checking in on our neighbors, how does that please God? And that's the question I would ask. And if you text that in, I, I ask that question to you. How do those things please God? when we're caught up in all these other things other than the gospel. If there was ever a time in our lives to be Jesus-focused, gospel-centered, it's now. Amen. I agree. Uh, I think this is a great question, too, and relates really well with our current situation. Uh, Pastor, I've been a little discouraged with prayer. Uh, we prayed for healing, but have watched people die. Uh, at what point do we stop praying for people to be healed and start to direct our prayers in other directions? Uh, we never stop praying for healing until the person dies. 
Uh, we ask for God's will to extend. We, you know, when we pray for healing, we pray for God's will. That's what we're praying for. It's, it's God's will to be done on earth as, is, as it is in heaven. It's not our will to be done. And knowing uh, on a personal level, praying for the healing of my own son, I have to say that I was praying more for healing at times than I was for the will of God. So that when the will of God did occur, uh, it shook me because I was, even though God was very gracious and very loving, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up on a loved one. When I walk into a hospital and I lay hands on someone, I believe that God has the power to heal. And I will not stop praying for healing until that person is fully healed. Because I think on, a, on another uh, going around that question, that person that does die is experiencing the fullest healing in its complete sense. Uh, except that now we've lost the love, uh, the ability to have a relationship with them here on earth. They have experienced healing. And so in a very real way, our prayers were answered if we prayed according to the will of God. But I'm not going to, I would encourage you to never, ever, never, ever, 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 ever stop praying for the good of someone else. Yeah, and I would also add to that, just don't allow that discouragement that you're feeling to stop you from praying for the next person. Um, and, and just know that the Lord desires you to continue praying uh, for those needs and for those people. Um, he doesn't stop listening. Uh, you may feel like your prayers aren't being answered in the way that you directed them to be, but when you do ask for the Lord's will, 100% your prayers are being answered because God's will is happening. Yes. But don't let this discouragement stop you from praying with hope and in faith for someone's healing uh, because it will happen. Uh, there are even stories here in, in our church where people have been miraculously healed, uh, which has been amazing. And then there's also stories where people uh, have passed on and the Lord's will was still in both 100%. So don't be discouraged to the point of stopping your prayer life. Just redirect the way and the focus that you pray. And I think that'll bring some encouragement while also uh, some satisfaction knowing that your prayer was answered according to what God desired from you. How about this one, Josh? Do you think social distancing, wearing masks, and no physical contact, such as shaking hands, will be the new normal? And being a believer, how can we handle this moving forward if it becomes the norm? I do not believe it's gonna be the new normal, uh, mainly because I look forward to shaking so many people's hands after this is all over. I do believe that just um, as we come out of this, it will be slow to start. Like, I don't think you'll see a bunch of people except the, the true huggers that are gonna be hugging everyone that they see or high-fiving everyone at sports games. I think it'll take some time, it'll be a process. Um, but I do believe that moving forward, there is this gonna be a new sensitivity for others. Uh, I think as believers, uh, we've already talked about, you know, how can we best serve our community around us? And one of the best ways we can is by respecting other people, caring for them, thinking of them. And I think the world in general will have this awareness of what good manners are, good hygiene are, washing your hands, how important that is. I think we're all going to leave this experience with a heightened sense of that. And I think as believers, I hope that we'll be the ones that are the most respectful respectful of others' space and the ones who really do show the love of Jesus through the simple things. But I don't believe that not shaking hands, wearing masks, I don't believe social distancing. I can tell you right now, people listening to us, and I know that you uh, listening at home 
can't wait to be back in these seats. And I cannot wait for you to be back in these seats. So I don't believe that this is gonna be the normal. However, I do believe it will have a new place in our society going forward, uh, a greater place, a larger place, but I don't believe it's gonna take over um, at all. I, so. think you'll, I think you'll see more masks like other countries. I think more people will wear masks. Uh, I know that even before any of the stay-at-home orders, when we were traveling to Israel, I had a mask on on the plane. I have a tendency to get sick on these trips, and so I'm already concerned about making sure that I stay healthy. Uh, I, but I do, I do think that there'll be a, height, a, a heightened sensitivity. Uh, we won't be so, I, I mean, most people won't be so open and coughing on you and coughing openly or sneezing and, you know, for 30 feet you're your sneeze travels. I mean, I, I hope that there, there is a general sense of respect for one another. Um, if it became, you know, if social distancing and, and all these restrictions became the new norm, I, I think that we would probably break the new norm. I think we would obey God more than man. What, what we're doing today, I believe, is temporary. This is a temporary uh, cooperation with, um, with our community to say, we don't want to be a place um, that's known that, oh, you know what? Aurora had the most cases. Uh, Aurora had the most cases of COVID. And where did they start? Well, they studied it all. And it was all in, the, in that pastor that refused to have services in his sanctuary so that they could come. And it was all of, a, of the thousand cases in Arapahoe County, 900 of them were at that church. I don't want that. I think that, I, I think that this is a decision that's temporary. But if if it became a law, I mean, I'd have a hard time following it personally. I don't know. It would be a dilemma because the Bible speaks of laying on of hands. The Bible speaks of a holy kiss, which implies touching. Um, and our alternatives, hands and hugs, where there's an, uh, a fraternal type of expression of love. Um, even at times where we'll have, you know, the, the, we'll join hands all throughout this room. As I look at how big this room is, what does it hold? 13, 1,400 people? What, I, don't, I don't know how many chairs are in here, but we'll have everybody hold hands across the room. Um, we're like, because we're family and we're, so I, I don't, I, that's a great question. It's kind of hypothetical. Um, but if it did, I would have a hard time complying, by, complying with it. Um, but it depends on the context. Uh, if we're fighting another issue like this, I, I foresee that we would want to cooperate. We'd want to find ourselves cooperating. Um, as you're looking for the next question, here's a praise report. God, God got my family back from Kenya to the U.S. when flights were canceled. All seats were booked on the last flight, and we didn't have seats. God made a way where there was no way. So they got back from Kenya. No problem. But I'm sure it was a problem, but they got back. No problem. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Uh, this kind of goes in line with what we've spoken about a little bit before, but a little more detail from kind of the spiritual aspect, not necessarily the practical society okay. aspect. But what do you believe God will accomplish through uh, this pandemic? And do you think God is using this pandemic as a revival for the church to wake them up and bring them back to their first love? Or, or what are your thoughts on how God may be using this revival in the spiritual sense? Well, I think we have these insights in the book of Revelation of the different types of churches that will exist in the last days. And there are churches that think they're alive and they're not. Of course, there's the church in Ephesus that left their first love. There's the church in Smyrna that was suffering. There's the church in Pergamos that was compromising. Uh, there's the church in Thyatira that was idolatrous. Uh, you have the church in Sardis that was very rich, but inside they were dead. There was the church in Philadelphia that... 
was that kind of remnant, that light, that church with life, humble and faithful. And then there was the church in Laodicea that was lukewarm. And I believe that that is a full encompassing picture of the church of the last days. Seven types, seven aspects, both of the church and also of believers. So depending on where you are in the book of Revelation, in these seven letters, that's how God's going to use the pandemic in your life. Um, for, the, for example, let's say the church in Smyrna, the suffering church. Well, watching God, watching this situation be allowed globally would bring a little bit of encouragement and comfort to the church that's been suffering because they've been living in suffering for a long time. Um, I think of the church that, that is underground and, and having to share Bible verses by one letter at a time or one piece of paper at a time. And we've got a thousand Bibles on our, on our shelves. It brings about a little bit of unity to a prosperous church and a hurting church. And, you know, when you come to the church in Philadelphia, the church in Philadelphia gets excited about the coming of the Lord. The church, nobody wants to be the church in Laodicea, but I think as you survey the church today, a lot of believers are Laodicea, the lukewarm. And so the lukewarm church is going to be called to account and to repentance. Or the church that says, oh, we're alive, but you're actually dead inside. And so depending on who you are in the church, what aspect you are, what your life is, absolutely, this will not be wasted by God. Absolutely, God is going to use this. I, I know that God is using it in my life personally to reassess things, changing my prayer life, to reassess how I depend on him for wisdom. I, I, it's been a long time, and I've and never experienced anything like this so prolonged, but it's been a long time since I've had to make decisions rapid fire. Boom, boom, boom. And then I make a decision and it leads to six more. And then what about, and then the different layers. I was talking to another pastor on Instagram live today and in an interview with my friend in Florida. And he, we talked about this and it's been layer after layer after layer after layer. And, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. This isn't my responsibility. And I just have to pause and go, wait a minute. I know I've got a lot of, but you know, let me sleep on this. I'm like, okay, let's sleep on it. I, you, I know you need an answer from me right now, but I need an answer from God before I answer you. And so God is reminding me about his sufficiency and his faithfulness. He's reminding me about my responsibility as a pastor, not just over the flock, but but over the staff and their families and their kids. I take that very seriously. So to think that we would have to have layoffs or to think, even have to think that, to think we would have to have layoffs, to think we would have to furlough, to think that we would have to take a pay cut, which are all realities, is like, wow, Lord. And, and so, yeah, God's gonna use it, but I think it's not as easy a question as it's asked, like, because the church isn't monolithic. Um, there are different aspects of the church, at least seven aspects of the church that... God is going to deal with people differently considering the condition of their life in the moment. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think even with what you were saying, there's a part of my heart where this pandemic has just shown me, and this is something I've shared with our youth as well, just the, the fragility of our society and how quickly the whole world can go and, sh and shut down. Like the structures that we put in place, the economics that have been building just in our nation for years, all just shut down and, and start tanking. And the reality is the things that I think the world puts their trust in is just so quickly falling apart. And where that leads us is the urgency. Like, do we realize 
how fragile people are and how dependent they are on these things that are not God right. and how much that should encourage us and excite us to go out and rescue the lost, give hope to those who need it, and to really be on our, I don't want to say our A game, but really be on that awareness um, of just saying, you know, the Lord put me here on this planet to reach people with the hope of God. And right now, people that have now realized their hope is in so many other things that have failed them so quickly, I think it was a matter of two weeks where most of the world had to go on a shutdown. You know, that's the time for us as believers to shine. Yeah. And it's so important for us to realize that, yeah, I, I think spiritually the Lord's going to use this pandemic to reveal so many different things in his people spiritually. Uh, but those are, those are two very important ones, I, I feel. At least they keep coming up or recurring in my mind. So we've got a few more minutes. Uh, if the Q&A is something you want to see in the future, something you want to be, text us, let us know. Uh, you can start sending those texts in now. Just say, yeah, this was really informative. Uh, we really enjoyed it. Uh, 720-336-0897. Uh, if you like Josh more than me, text that in. That's, all, that's okay. But really, on a serious note, if... Oh, man, they're coming in. They're coming in so fast. <laughs> Stop, guys. That's wrong. If you, uh, if you want to see more of this in the future, uh, we're definitely planning on it. But if it really resonated with you, if the Lord used it, obviously we only had about 45 minutes, but it went by super, super fast if you didn't recognize uh, really fast. When we do Calvary Live, that's only an hour and it goes really, really fast. Uh, but I saw, a couple of, um, I saw a couple of texts coming in that said, uh, I'm going to need prayer not to want to social distance after this because it's changed our psyche. Uh, even going on some of my essential shopping trips, people literally avoided me. Like, I, I don't think I've ever experienced that before where, not like they knew me or anything, but they really wanted to, um, they really wanted to avoid me. Uh, so let me end with this question. Uh, please speak to tithing during our financial battles, especially during pandemic and stimulus provision. Well, I would say that in the stimulus provision, if you haven't lost your job, don't spend that money. Put it in the bank and save it because you don't know what the future holds. So don't, obviously, don't go out and buy a, a television. Don't go out, oh, we have extra money, honey. Save it and be wise to understand that things can change dramatically in a heartbeat. And so if you haven't lost your job and you don't need to use that money, put it in the bank and save it. Um, tithing, God gave us instruction on giving on the increase so we, Marie and I, in our family, have taken up uh, to obey that. To any increase that we have, we tithe on it. Uh, and tithing is just the beginning for us. Uh, we also give to our building program. We give to missionaries. Then we tithe to our church, to our church here. Uh, and so 10% is the model for that. But the new covenant requirement, or I wouldn't even say requirement, but the new covenant part on giving is as you purpose in your heart. So that's not even going to be a math equation. That's going to be a, man, I want to be generous and I want to give. And here's the thing. Many people get fearful in times like this and they don't give. And God's not going to bless a fearful response to crisis. Uh, he's not going to bless a hoarding uh, of, of resources that he's entrusted to us. Like if we first recognize that what we have is given to us by God, then giving it away and honoring God with the increase he gave us is still in force. Now, of course, if you've lost your job, you don't have increase. But when you get your unemployment check, you tithe off your unemployment check. Uh, if you are you know, taking money out of savings, most likely you've already tithed on that. 
But that, again, when we get into the minutia of this, then it's just a heart issue because if your heart's connected to the Lord, he'll lead you to give. And if you're unable to give and you're putting food on the table for your kids, God knows that. Uh, if you're unable to give and you bought a brand new TV, God knows that too. So you, you, God is reasonable and loving and caring. He's not a tyrant. So don't let people on TV say, oh, give, give, give. Don't let people that are big, like you give as God purposes in your heart, continue to obey him, abiding in him, but we don't stop giving because there's a crisis. As a matter of fact, I know that God has, has given us to, um, to give that sense of um, giving into a crisis and allowing the Holy Spirit to use us to test him and to honor him. Amen. I think uh, for us as believers, we're, we're taught practically, you know, we need to be good stewards of what the Lord's entrusted to us. And I think this is also pandemics and crisis like that really reveal, um, you know, what areas in our, in, in our lives, specifically uh, when speaking to finances, do we need to shore up? Like what, what areas do we need to prepare or think, like how can I be a better steward of the finances the Lord's given me when times are good? You know, I think of Joseph, how he thought forward, seven years of plenty, so he saved for that seven years of famine coming up. And I know that uh, as we, as believers, need to represent Jesus in this time of crisis and pandemics, it's really helpful that we have enough uh, stored up in our own personal uh, banks, and our own personal savings, however you like to save, so that we can give out. And I know for us as a church, when you give to this church, you're giving through this church as well. So you're not just giving to the church, you're giving to a church that gives out even more. That's right. And for us as believers, it's not just a church as in a building concept or, a, or an organizational concept, like we're the church. So I hope that when the Lord entrusts with me money, that I'm putting some aside so that I might be able to give back to those who are in need so I can better represent him, just like when he gives out of his overabundance. And right. I think it's just really important to realize that when these pandemics and crises hit, they reveal more than they produce problems. Uh, they reveal things that the Lord's trying to get our attention so that we can address them. And it's important for us to, to make sure that we don't just ignore it or we don't just try to push it to the side, but that we really take heed to what the Lord's trying to reveal to us as believers so we can better represent him and for his glory to be uh, revealed through us. So yeah, it's a great question. I'm glad you guys answered. And for those of you who say that we need that other baseball team's hat on this desk. Well, you... It's okay. They might have tickets. Oh, no, it's this okay. one's from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, no, we so won't. I don't know. Accept. I don't even know what team is so, in that place. So thanks for joining us. We're going to have Pastor Ian come up with worship. And for those of you that missed the Bible study, go back to our website, go on the app and catch up on Daniel. Uh, if you haven't been with us for the full Daniel message, catch up on Daniel. Uh, it, and, and I know that it's a little different, um, but it's also at the same time very edifying. Uh, but I know people, you know, you, you want to hear the word. I love teaching the word, but I also love being informative and taking the word and weaving it into everyday life. And that's what this Q&A was. It wasn't just our opinions, because you know when you ask questions I have know nothing about, I'm not going to give you my opinion. I have no idea. Uh, but you can go back in if you, if you want a Bible study tonight, because I'm sure some of you did, then go back in and catch up on Daniel. Um, especially those early studies that have been many months ago. So let's not leave yet. Don't close your computer. Uh, don't, don't take anything. Uh, don't close your computer, but let's stand together and let, um, let's make sure. I, mean, I'm, I don't know why I picked that up. I was going to put it on, but then I just, yeah, I just wanted to, to put it on. Let's all stand together and worship with Pastor Ian. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. 
For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week 